I want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today, joining us is Gary Kwashi, who's the founder and CEO of Pod Digital Media. Let's jump in and get to know Gary. Gary, welcome. How are you, man? I am well, man. I am well. Carell, Eric, thank you guys for having me. We're thrilled you're hanging out with us. So much to cover, but really some exciting news for Pod Digital Media and, and for you. And can't wait to talk about that. But first, tell us a little bit about what's going on at Pod Digital Media today. Absolutely, man. So myself, I've been in media and advertising for the last 18 years. I've worked on the brand side. I've worked at the large agencies from Mediacom, WPP, uh, to Resolution Media, OMD, and PhD. And my last thing on the agency side was at a Wasserman Laundry Service. And that's actually when I realized there was a gap and an opportunity in the marketplace as podcast was emerging as a new medium and viable platform. I decided to leave and to launch Pod Digital Media, which is the first and the largest multicultural podcast network in the country, bridging the gap between podcasters that cater to the AA and Latinx community with blue chip advertisers. So yeah, we're very excited to be in this space where we're glad to be the, the leader. More companies have emerged since then. However, we still have to reach and scale to really help our advertisers reach that demo. Yeah, Gary, that's awesome. And I want you to tell us a little bit about what you've learned just very quickly in, in launching Pod Digital Media. Like, What are some interesting just kind of lessons that you've learned along the way? And then just after that, tell us about the big success story that's happening right now. No, absolutely, man. I think the process alone, the journey of it all, right? So 2018, we worked with five podcasters. This Now it's in 2022, we're working with over 400 podcasters. We started with zero advertisers. Our first deal was with Tidal for, I want to say, 15 or 20K. We thought that was a jackpot. We were so excited. <laughs> hey, we have a deal with Tidal. Yeah. We were very excited to do a campaign with Tidal. $20,000. We're great. This is phenomenal. And then now fast forward now, four years later, we have deals with PNG, Ford, Lexus, Alta, Walmart. And of course, as of two weeks ago, one of the biggest success stories is that we signed a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal with McDonald's. Fantastic. Um, so that part of the journey can't be discounted. So I think for yeah. us, the biggest lesson has been learning all throughout how do we get from point A to point B and really crawling to where right now we're basically running through the industry. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I want to talk some more about that later. But tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? And tell us about your family background. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in the island of Haiti. Moved to the States at the age of 16, not speaking any English at all whatsoever. Right. So something that there is a program called ESL, which is English as a second language. So when mm-hmm. you don't speak English, they place you in those classes. And so that you can actually learn English. So I was in those classes in high school then sort of slowly, gradually got my way out of it into AP classes. So yeah, I moved here to the States and then I lived in Rockin County, which is outside of New York City, where I grew up with my parents, my, my mother at the time, my dad and brothers and sisters and such. And then I went on to college in Westchester County, went there for international business, international business and marketing to Berkeley College. So since I was studying international business, Berkeley had a program with a school out of London so I went over to London to Regents College to really continue the education, to learn more about how business is done internationally. Was there for three months, was also in Paris for another three months, and I came back to the States to finish school. And that's when I entered, uh, I entered the corporate space. But overall, I'm, I'm a Haitian-American, born and raised, 
came here as a, as a grown man, knowing a whole lot about my culture and then had to fully develop myself and really immerse myself within the American community. Amazing. Tremendous. And what a tremendous story from like starting with an ESL and going to AP and then traveling abroad. And how do your parents feel and your family feel about that? A great sense of pride, man. A great sense of pride. Again, that's also part of the journey of my process of knowing when I couldn't understand a word of English, right? To now, yeah. I'm the lead speaker at conferences. I, yeah. uh, you know, now, right? I'm getting interviewed in podcasts, right? In the well-known right. podcasts around the country, right? So uh, they're extremely proud. They're extremely proud. They love the growth. They love the process. And everyone is excited to see what's next. I want to bring you back to uh, Pod Digital Media, and you talked about your career journey a little bit, and then breaking out and starting the company and being the CEO. And I'm curious to know: is running your own business, being a CEO, was that always in your plans? Was that always part of your career goals? It was. It absolutely was. Whether it happened at the time that he did, not sure that was the right timing for it, but that was always the goal. You know, I grew up watching my dad being a full-blown entrepreneur. He never had a full-time job. My mother, although had a job, also had side businesses, had side hustles. So I always saw how excited they were. My dad was extremely excited running some mini stores that he had around the neighborhood. He had a, a lot of houses. He was big in real estate. I saw the happiness, the joy that he brought him. A lot of stress, right? But also there was a lot of joy there. And my mother, having side hustles, side businesses, she was extremely happy just doing it outside of her daytime job entrepreneurial blood, it's in me, it's in my DNA. So I've always wanted to say, you know, one day I would love to be a CMO, have a corner office on Madison Avenue, you know, walking through the doors, like, you know, like Eddie Murphy and Boomerang and doing all of that. But essentially at the end, I do want to end up having my own business. So, and that's exactly what happened. You know, I did have a corner office on Madison Avenue, 55th in Madison, working as a director of marketing for Lacoste. That was on the brand side. Then I went on the agency side to become senior director, associate directors, et cetera. So that was great. But at the time, I just wasn't, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but the timing of it was, I'm not sure I was ready, but it's one of those things you're never ready. You just have to step up to the plate when your name is called and you just have to perform. Gotcha. Gotcha. And Pod Digital Media is focused on building a multicultural podcasting network. And we are in Black History Month. So obviously there's a lot of attention being played to Black Americans, Black people around the world and their accomplishments. But why are you so passionate about the multicultural aspect and promoting different cultures and different languages, if you will, too? Absolutely. I mean, I just feel like I am culture, right? I don't have to go out and say to know what's cool. On a day-to-day basis, I wake up, I understand what's needed in the marketplace. What are the creators doing? Because I speak with them on a daily basis. I am one of them, right? So I think for me, it's realizing that there's a lot of ad dollars that's being passed around and it was not touching the creators directly. Right. So therefore, I felt, OK, I know the creators. Right. Some of them are my friends or friends of friends. I know those creators that are creating content, podcast content on a weekly basis. And coming from the brand side and the agency side, I also know what it takes, what a media plan looks like. How do you pitch your brand? How do you pitch a company? How do you get in touch with the right media person? Is it the supervisor you speak to? Is it the, the planning person? Is it the strategy team? Who do you speak to? I understand that entire ecosystem. So I certainly felt I was the right person to come in to really bridge that gap, to represent those underrepresented voices, that are creators that know how to create content, but they lack the knowledge on the monetization as to how they can get in touch with brands. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm extremely passionate about it, because at the end of the day, I'm supporting Black voices. I'm helping them monetize their content. 
I believe I was in Clubhouse, uh, I want to say almost a year ago, and a gentleman came in the room. He says, I had to come in the room. I have been looking to reach out to you because I was able to quit my full-time job to fully support my wife as a producer because you've delivered so many ads consistently to our podcast that we were able now to sort of really build a strong nest egg where now we can really focus on podcasting full-time. To me, that's a success story. And I would like to have more of those stories. And I've had more of those stories. I mean, we have podcasters on the network that are slated to make over seven figures this year in ads, right? And I know those guys personally, and I'm seeing their growth and I'm seeing their process because now they went from just having a purely an audio version. Now they're part of a bigger studio where they have multiple cameras and then now they're doing live activations outside of just the podcasting. So then now they're having more of, an, more of a bigger menu that now my team can actually go out and represent and offer to our advertisers. So to me, I'm just enjoying the process, man. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. As stressful as it gets, sometimes we win those RFPs, sometimes we lose those RFPs. But the fact that now I'm walking into these corporations and I'm pitching it as my company, that alone right there is extremely rewarding. That's awesome. And I love what you said about being able to bring those ad dollars directly to the creators, right? And and you mentioned earlier on deals with companies like P&G and, and McDonald's. Can you talk a little bit about the impact of having worldwide recognizable brands that understand the platform, that understand the content, and that want to have their messaging in front of that audience as well? No, absolutely. I mean, it certainly speaks to our resiliency and ensuring that we are educating the advertisers about the buying power of the multicultural segment. Currently right now, I believe it sits at $3.3 trillion of buying power between AA, Hispanic, and Asian, the Asian community. So therefore, the brands want to reach us, right? But we don't want to just be just a line item as a part of your budget. No, connect with us, build with us, bridge us, support us. So therefore, us consistently reaching out to those advertisers to preach about the buying power of the multicultural segment, and of course, having a viable network to show them as to how they can fully integrate it, as to how they can connect with those creators, have certainly helped us have successful campaigns. So then that we can use as a stepping stone. So now from PNG, so now we can go to Ford and say, hey, Ford, this is what we've done with PNG. We can go to Lexus and say, hey, Lexus, this is what we've done with, with Ford, right? To continually be out there on a day-to-day basis to keep communicating and relaying that message. So I think that's certainly what has allowed us because we didn't quit, right? Because it's one thing, you know, you get one big deal and you can say, you know what? Okay, we're good for now. No, we're saying, hey, there's more dollars out there because there's more creators out there that need to get paid that needs to be compensated for the content that they're creating. And that just fuels us on a day-to-day basis to never really settle. That's great. Gary, you've worked for some really cool companies and, and worked with some tremendous media brands like Volkswagen and BMW, L'Oreal, Dell, Canon. All of that, and some of that prepared you for a lot of what you're doing today, as you, as you pointed out, right? A thousand percent. Yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. That also allows us when we're having these conversations on a day-to-day basis, we can speak to various verticals because I understand mm-hmm. what it takes. The search campaign did for Dell, how the social media campaign did for Canon, the type of experiential campaign we put together for BMW. So mm-hmm. I understand all of that. So I have a full scope, a full view of what the marketing landscapes looks like. So when we're speaking to podcasting specifically, we can say, hey, look, based on everything else we have going on, this is how podcasting can sort of integrate itself into your bigger marketing or your marketing campaigns. And this is the type of impact that it can have. I can speak intelligently to all those other campaigns and at the same time, Mm -hmm. still speaking intelligently about podcasting and say, this is how podcasting can add value to your current marketing efforts. 
we found it out on the branding side. When I work on the brand side, for example, at Lacoste and at L'Occitane, it taught me as to how you mold a brand, as to you build a brand, and as to you retain your brand equity. But on the agency side, it also taught me as to how you can have various mediums really meet all your goals and objectives. So absolutely. So all those experiences have played a tremendous part as to the current success that we're currently, mm-hmm. that we have right now. If you take a moment to sort of think about this question too, because I'm curious about what's maybe one or two things that you weren't kind of prepared for that you kind of learned along the way as you started your venture and you're bringing together content creators that are black, that are brown, right? And then, then all of a sudden trying to connect it to a world that maybe wasn't as focused on that, right? So what are some things that you kind of learned along the way that you weren't necessarily kind of prepared for? It's a great question. I mean, as a nine to fiver, you go to work and your laptop works and you know your emails are working and you reach out to your clients and you're having conversations and you go about your day. Your boss is telling you, hey, this is your to-do list for the week. Where are you? What are the timelines and items you're working on? And after that, you work on them and you go home about your day. But all of a sudden, you wake up, you're a CEO. You're the IT person. You're the salesperson. You're the operations person. <laughs> you're the accountant person, right? Everything. Especially when you're starting to, to build a business. I think, how do you go about, one, releasing the power on certain things that may not be your strongest points, right? And also, how do you build in a team that's effective, that understands the vision? So then there's that. So then the leadership piece plays a role. Because again, as a nine to five, you do have a team, you have a CEO, you have a VP that's ahead of you, that's sort of guiding that process. So that's something I wasn't ready for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the second yeah. piece is just the operations piece of it. How, you know, I'm in the forefront. I love having conversations with the CMOs. I love talking to brands. I love pitching. I love building the right relationships. I love the networking aspect of it. But once you bring the business in, how do you ensure now you're going to deliver and execute in everything that you promised to that advertiser? So I had to learn about that entire, that tedious, mm-hmm. because the most tedious thing can screw an entire deal. A podcaster not launching an ad when it's promised and that the ad needs to launch in conjunction with a new product launch for the brand, that completely can crumble the entire system because then now that's impacting your credibility. So I had to learn about that. And I think over the last four years, we certainly have not been perfect. You know, we certainly didn't get 100% right the first go around, but we've learned from that and we've come back and being accountable when things didn't go right and said, hey, look, this is what happened. We communicated to the podcasters. We gave them all the assets. However, this happened. They didn't launch it. This mm-hmm. is how we're going to make up for it to bring you more added value. So, yeah, I think, you know, you become a CEO and you have to wear all these multiple hats. I don't think anyone's yeah. ever ready for that. That's a good point. I was going to ask you, you probably work with some folks that may have helped you along the way. Who are some folks that maybe kind of helped you or mentored you, or if not that, that you could turn to and sort of say like, hey, how do I work through some of this? I've had a lot of great folks on the agency side that I've had to turn to and say, hey, look, this is our current RFP process and this is how we're responding to those brands. What can we do differently to ensuring that you are getting those deals? Why we, we are not getting certain campaigns where we are a great fit for those brands? And they say, hey, look, the way you're presenting, your, the way your deck is presented, it just speaks only to the multicultural segment. Where's your analytics piece? Where's your measurement piece? Where is all of that? How do you connect all those dots so that you can make sense and a brand can easily come in today and execute a campaign, right? Show them how the process can be seamlessly done. So there's a lot of folks on the agency side that certainly has helped me with that. But I think it's just honestly relying on doing my due diligence and seeing what's happening, staying ahead, what's happening in the industry. What are my competitors doing? What type of content are they launching? What type of podcasters are they working? What type of brands are they working with? So all of that along, I think as a CEO, and especially in this space where we want to be innovative and we want to keep being the leader, it's staying ahead of the curve. It's always doing your due diligence to understand what's needed. 
But yeah, it's not known in particular. I can say, hey, look, this person was the hero that came yeah. and saved the day. Yeah. But it's certainly a collective of folks that have that own their own business. And that also has done what I've done before in different capacities, in different verticals. That certainly has helped me ideate and come up with different solutions. That's great. Gary, I have to ask you because you, you've had success being able to activate brands and budgets and, and campaigns to be able to really put their money where sort of what we hear so much about, like, now I'm going to do something different. Now I'm going to commit budgets. Now I'm going to focus on my consumers that happen to be black, brown, and right. You know, so what are some ways that you believe you can continue to get brands to commit not only in press releases and not only in marketing speak, but actual marketing dollars and advertising budgets? 100%. I think for us, it's continually delivering quality content, working with content creators that has the right content, that understand that podcasting is in fact a business and has in our thought leaders within whichever topic it might be, right? So understanding that working with the content creators and formulating content a way it can be you know, for brands that have, you know, compliance obligations for brand safety purposes, continue to really work in ensuring that the content creators that we are working with are in fact creating the content where a brand can can easily, again, come in and integrate and, and, connect, their, and connect their brands. I think for us, it's, it's all about quality, right? Making sure that we have the quality content. And the second is the education piece. And saying, hey, look, you know, you are looking to reach Latinx communities. This is what you're currently doing. You can't use the content that you're using for general market and expect it to work when you're trying to reach an 18-year-old African-American kid that's from the Bronx. That's not going to work. The same messaging you're using to reach the Hispanic community is not going to work when you're trying to reach the AA community. And this is how you tweak it. So, and then now as we're growing, we're really creating, you know, we have a specific team that really works for advertisers and saying, hey, this is how you can formulate this content. Also give them flexibility so they can really talk about your brand and they can really, really share the experiences authentically so that it doesn't seem like it's being forced. So you want to be in the right environments. And if you're in the right environments, you want to talk to that audience in the right way. So your messaging can truly resonate and that can connect with your brand. Not only once we have the quality content, also the education piece to those brands and really showing that thought leadership and really guiding them throughout the entire process. I think that's going to give us success in the long run and allows us to, to be around for, for years to come because it's important. Even though those brands and you know they're well-known brands that built massive international brands that are known at the global level, they still need our assistance. And you know we do have now the team and the bandwidth to assist with that. Awesome. Gary, what advice would you give to anyone that's listening that is thinking about starting their own business? It's through your due diligence and understand the industry that you are diving into, right? And do your due diligence is ensuring that you know who your competitors are. You know what your operation infrastructure is going to look like. You have your legal intact. You do have a right CPA on your team to assist with your taxes. It's really ensuring that they just not dive into it. And also, those things don't have to be perfect from day one. However, you need to establish that foundation so that as you continue to operate, as you continue to grow, that those pillars are actually, in fact, in place so that you can actually grow and scale properly. But that doesn't happen by just deciding you have this idea and you go and get your LLC, you build your website, and boom, the next day you're in business. It doesn't work like that. So for us, we can claim to be the first and the largest multicultural segment because we did our due diligence. We understood that there weren't any company. There were companies out there that had Black content as part of their network, 
without a doubt. But there weren't any companies specifically focusing on that AA and Hispanic audience that wanted to really help them monetize their content. So I can come out and proudly say, and no one is going to say, well, what about this company? That's not the case because we did our due diligence understanding what the competitors were, what they were doing, and then how we're going to differentiate ourselves from what's currently happening in the marketplace, right? Make sure that our product offering was absolutely robust so that when we go speak to the PNGs, when we go speak to the Pepsis, and when we go speak to McDonald's of the world, that they can fully understand and say, okay, this is why Pi Digital Media is different, and this is why we're going to work with Pi Digital Media. So yeah, it all comes in in that research process and fully understanding what your product offering is. What's your company objectives? How are you looking to make an impact within that industry you're looking to enter? And then from there, you can absolutely continue to grow your business. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now, fun question. I love asking every (laughs) guest that we have on the podcast, which is give me the top three apps that you use on your phone on a regular basis, but you can't name email or calendar or text messaging because those are way, way too boring. Got it. Okay. First is Uber, (laughs) without a doubt. All right. That's comprised of Uber Rides and Uber Eats. Uber Eats, so, yep, there you go. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> uh, I'm on the go all the time, right? Pulls them back to back. There's no time to whip out any meals, to whip out any meals and such. Actually, can I cheat? And can I, can I look at my phone real quick? Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. Do, do it. Let me do, do it. Because <laughs> I have to. Uber, for sure, is, is absolutely number one. I want to say, man, um, Spotify. Spotify, there you go. Yep, you I go. use Spotify. So it's a toss up between Spotify, Tidal, and Apple, right? Okay. So I go back right. and forth for entertainment. And I do a lot of traveling. So Hotel Tonight is certainly an app I use. I use at least on a weekly or bi-weekly basis gotcha. um, for my traveling needs. So my three favorite apps that I use on a regular basis are Uber, which is Uber Rise and Uber Eats. Yeah. Hotel Tonight, since I do a lot of traveling. Yeah. And for entertainment purposes, I use Spotify, Apple, or Tidal. There it is. All right. Thanks, Gary. Had a lot of fun with you today. And thanks for spending some time with us. Our listeners like to stay in touch and reach out. What's the best way that they can actually reach you and stay in touch? Absolutely. Absolutely. On LinkedIn, Gary Kwashi, Gary, G-A-O-I-C-O-I-C-H-Y. Also follow our Instagram page for the business. I can also be found on Instagram. My full name, Gary Kwashi. Our business Instagram page is at Pod Media on Instagram. And of course, or via email, can certainly be reached at Gary at poddigitalmedia.com. Certainly reach out. Doesn't guarantee an email or response right away, but I'll certainly get to it and we can certainly have a conversation. Awesome. Gary at Pod Digital Media, thanks so much for hanging out with us. And thanks everyone for listening again. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search for the logo and find your next favorite episode. Thanks very much. <laughs>